0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On point, keeping you focused in the right direction. I'm your facilitator, Vincent T. Edwards, Mr. Speaker. want to let you know, please check out the bishop's website at robertgrudolph.org. That's robertgrudolph.org. You can stay informed of what the bishop is doing and also to be able to listen to previous episodes of the podcast. The podcast is also available on the Apple platform, but please visit robertgrudolph.org dot org today the bishop will be talking to us about what would jesus do coming from philippians 2 5 through 11 with that being said good afternoon bishop rudolph how are you doing today good afternoon mr speaker how are you sir I am doing just wonderful. So glad to be back in the saddle again uh, yes, doing sir. these episodes, I tell you. You know, but all things work together for the good, Bishop.
1: Yes, sir, it does. And I'm I'm thankful that you're here with us and that you participate every week. And I just, I appreciate it. And I know that the people who have been listening off and on, and as this uh, podcast goes out to various people through, social media and other means. I just appreciate it, and I know they do. So thank you, sir, and uh, God bless you for helping us out.
0: Oh, You are welcome, Bishop. It is my pleasure to serve. So as we get started today, would you just go ahead and lead us in prayer so we can get started in answering that question, what would Jesus do?
1: Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you have given us on this day to be able to teach your word via this podcast. God, I ask that everyone who is listening, that you would open up their minds, open up their hearts so that they can hear the word that you are saying to them. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, Bishop, we're starting this one off with a question. What would Jesus do? And it kind of reminds me of when I was back in school and my professors would ask me, you know, to get into the mind of the writer and what was the writer doing at that time? And I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't there. Help us to understand how we could answer that question today. What would Jesus do?
1: Well, Mr. Speaker, that is a very powerful question that we have on today and I pose it to the audience because over the next few weeks, we will hear a lot about Jesus Christ as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am just fascinated by the story of the birth of Jesus, and I'm also fascinated by the life of Jesus Christ. So oftentimes when we say that we want to be just like Jesus or we want to be more like Jesus, that sounds good. But oftentimes, we forget the type of person that Jesus was. And so on today, I really want to put that question in front of everyone. What would Jesus do? I want you to go with me to Philippians, the second chapter, verses 5 through 11. And I'd like to read these particular verses of Scripture again. Paul's letter, uh, Philippians, the second chapter, uh, the fifth through the 11th verses. And you'll find these words recorded. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father, and the Lord's Word is blessed uh, on today as 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 we have mentioned earlier, I'm talking about what would Jesus do? Well, in order for you to really understand what Jesus would do in a situation, we have to understand that there are several several characteristics that Jesus possessed, that we need to possess as Christians on today. Several of these at this time. Let's look at verse 6, where it says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That tells me that one of the main characteristics of Jesus is he was selflessness. He had selflessness. He was not selfish, uh, but he took away himself so that he could glorify the Father. And I think it's just wonderful that we see that side of Jesus. There are people who are caught up in themselves, Mr. Speaker. They're caught up uh, in themselves, and they really don't even understand what it means to be selfless. But thanks be to God, we see an example of Jesus Christ in the fact that he was selfless. In other words, he gave of himself so that we could be saved and have the right to the tree of life. Then in verse 7, it talks about the sacrifice of Jesus, where it says this, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Again, that's powerful because he sacrificed in order to be at our level. Now, we know that Jesus is way above our level. Uh, but when he came from heaven, he came in the form of flesh and he dwelt among us and he was made in our likeness so that he could understand and reach us. That's the kind of savior that I love. I love that about Jesus because he gave of himself. He gave of his status. He gave of his uh, uh, reputation he gave of himself so that he could know what type of individuals we could be and and what he could do for us, so he was selfless and he had he was even sacrificial now in uh, the third or excuse me the third characteristics that I want to give to you, it is found also in verse seven that he made himself the form of a servant. In other words, he had the characteristics of being a servant, of being a servant who cared for people. Uh, It has often been said that it's not the title. It's not the title, but it's the Tao. And that is so important for us to understand today that the titles don't mean anything, Mr. Speaker. They don't. But it is the, the Tao, the work that we have to do, the work that we do as a servant. And even further down in uh, verse 7, you'll find out that he was identified differently. The Bible tells us that Jesus uh, was made in the likeness of men. He took away his identification in order to be made like us. And I just think that is a, a powerful concept to look at Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, being a servant to all mankind.
0: Interesting here, Bishop, we see these three characteristics, the concept of not being selfish, sacrifice and being a servant. So when I think about this, this, this question, what would Jesus do? I need to answer those questions in reference to all types of situations that I go through looking at not being selfish. What keeps most people from meeting this very first attribute? Because we live in a culture where it's always me, myself, and I. And I always joke about this because we even got devices from the iPad to the iPhone. It's all about (laughs) I. What hinders us from being, what causes us rather, to be selfish?
1: Oh, you are right. You are so right. We live in a world where it seems as if everything and everybody is so caught up in themselves They're caught up in doing things for themselves. They're caught up uh, for being about themselves. And Jesus was not like that. He was totally the opposite of that. He was selfless. So I think what we have to do is we just can't go along with the crowd. We can't go along with everybody else when they want to put themselves first we need to always make sure that we put God first. And that's difficult to do in our society, in this iPad society, in this uh, uh, iPhone society. And When it's all about you, when it's all about the individual and the individual merit, it, it is very difficult to do. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that we can do just like Jesus did. If Jesus can do it, if Jesus can make of himself no reputation, if Jesus could make upon himself the form of a servant, if Jesus could be made in the likeness of men and come down to a low estate, then we can do the very same thing as well. We can't get caught up in the rough and tumble of what the world is going through now. We we can't do that. We have to make sure that we are selfless,
0: and I think when we we look up at uh, at verse four, where it says, "Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others." We have to get to a place to where it's not about the likes we get on TikTok. It's not about the likes we get on Instagram. <laughs> We've got to say, "Hey." What does my brother need? What does my sister need? Because even from the motivational side of things, I can recall Zig Ziglar saying, if you help uh, people get the things that they want, you'll get what you want. And here again, it's all about looking on the needs of others. And I guess we have just been so caught up and been programmed to be the center of attention with all the social media.
1: You're right. You are right. And we do it all the time, each and every day. It's the culture of our world and not just in any particular country or any particular denomination or any particular political party. It's just the culture of how we do. And we just need to um, reverse our thinking as it relates to that. It, it just needs to be a totally different, a, a different mindset. As it relates to that, it's not about me. It's not about I. It's not about my. But it's about God, and it's about helping other individuals and helping other people. Um, If you look at verse eight, let me let me share this with you, also, Mr. Speaker, and to the people who are listening out there. If you look at verse eight, you'll find in Second uh, Philippians, or excuse me, Philippians, the second chapter. uh, And uh, if you look at verse eight, it says, "And being found in fashion." As a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Well, that particular verse of Scripture shows me three things. We talked about selflessness and sacrifice and servanthood and also about him identifying with us. But now let's talk about submission. Let's talk about humility. Let's talk about obedience In verse 8, it says, and found and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. First of all, he submitted himself to the will of the Father. Again, we often say this about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, but thy will be done. And so we always have to look at the fact that Jesus did this because the Father asked him to do it. So when Jesus found himself in a fashion as a man, that was the will of the father, because he did not want him to come down here as uh, a knight in shining armor. He did not want him to come down here as a person who was going to solve all the problems from the get go. But the Bible tells us that he waxed strong as a child. So he grew up as a child. He knew what it meant to be obedient as a child. He did all of these things because it was so vitally important for him to have that experience of being raised and becoming a man. So first and foremost, he submitted himself to the will of God. And brothers and sisters, whenever, whenever you submit yourself to God's will, he has the ability to help you to do the things that need to be done in in your life, but in the life of other individuals. So he submitted himself. Then the Bible goes on to tell us that he humbled himself in verse eight. He humbled himself for him to be savior of the world, for him to be the son of God, for him to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, for him to humble himself and become uh, humble so that he could be in that state, so that he could be in that position. It means so much. Jesus humbled himself. He not only submitted himself to the will of the Father, but he humbled himself among us. When Jesus was on the cross of Calvary, uh, before the cross and, and before all of the trial and everything Jesus had to go through, at any time the Bible tells us that Jesus could have called a legion of angels to come and to automatically rescue him from that situation, but he did not do it. He went through the pain. He went through the suffering. So he submitted himself to God. He humbled himself before man, and he was obedient. And the Bible here says that he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what would Jesus do? Jesus would be obedient to whatever his father wanted him to do. What would Jesus do? He was filled with not himself, but he was self he was selfless. And Jesus sacrificed. Jesus was a certain servant. What would Jesus do? Jesus identified with the Father and he identified with spiritual things. What would Jesus do? He submitted himself Before the Lord. What would Jesus do? He was humble and he was obedient. That's what Jesus did. And so that's exactly what we have to do today. It's not about us, it's not about our will, our desires, our opinions, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And it's all about what God wants us to do.
0: Bishop, I'll just tell you right now. I have to go back to, to the uh, to the Old Testament to pose this one. When uh, Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion, and then Elijah said, you ask a hard thing. Bishop, today you are asking a hard <laughs> thing. <laughs> you are asking a hard thing for somebody to submit, <coughs> to Excuse be me. humble, to be obedient unto death, to give up and not be concerned about themselves. How in the world, Bishop? Can that be done? Because wow. all I can see is I have to really understand Galatians 2 and 20. So you're going to have to help me out because it mm. says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So that means, I think I got to have the Holy Ghost. I got to have Christ living in me because you're asking a hard thing, Bishop. Help us out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking a hard thing. But you know what? When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you give God your life, no one, absolutely no one, said that it was going to be easy. As a matter of fact, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, that's when the enemy gets busy. It seems as if when I really committed myself to God, when I really said, Lord, I am in it to win it, I am here for the long haul As soon as I said that, it seems like everything that could possibly break loose and everything that could possibly be a problem, it became a problem. But I I think of that commitment, and I think about what Jesus did as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, I mentioned this before. Jesus did not want to accept the bitter cup. He did not want to drink from that bitter cup, according to the Scripture. But you know what? He eventually came within himself to say, not my will, but thy will be done. If I want the will of the Father to be done in my life, then yes, it's not going to be easy. No one said it was going to be easy, but I guarantee you that this is the best life that you could possibly ever live. A life dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I want to do what Jesus did. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but I want to do what he did because I really want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I literally want to meet him and I want to meet him in peace when I meet him. So I am just, I'm just excited about today's lesson. and, And I realize that it is hard. It's not an easy thing, but thanks be to God, he has a way of uh, doing what needs to be done. And I'm so thankful uh, that the Lord has blessed us to be able to deal with this lesson and, and have this encouragement on today.
0: Thank you so very much, Bishop. Uh, before I thought I saw the pastor, Pastor Cobra, I do believe. Is there something you wanted to ask the Bishop on today about this lesson?
2: Well, I wanted to, 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 to ask the Bishop or, well, first of all, uh, Awesome awesome study today, awesome study today, but as the bishop was was talking and you all were talking about uh, the the selfish nature of our culture today when I began to look at uh, in the third chapter of of Genesis, that was the one thing that the enemy brought in was the enemy brought in the thought of self rather than uh the will of God because uh when Eve looked she saw the tree and it says that that it, it looked good for uh it looked good for eating it, it it was pleasant to sight which means that now she was no longer thinking about what God's will was and what God had said even though she knew and this selfishness came in and that which looked good to her now she decided to eat, and she gave it to Adam, and he just and, and he just ate so so this culture this it 's been developing even since the garden, the culture of selfishness uh is it, 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 not a new thing to us. this is something that that was tactfully uh scheduled by the enemy started back in the garden uh and what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you're absolutely right, Pastor Coburn,
2: and thanks for listening.
1: First of all, thank you for listening. We appreciate you being on with us. I mean, you are absolutely right. This is something that has been ingrained in us. This is something that happened from the beginning of time. When sin came in, we had a selfish uh, nature, and until that old man is taken out of us, uh, we'll continue to have that selfish nature. But the Bible tells us this, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. So the first step of us getting that old nature out of us, if I'm making sense to anybody uh, on today, is that we have to literally turn our lives over to God. And when he changes us, he changes us from the inside out. And that's what I'm excited about because I really can do what Jesus did and be selfless and sacrifice and be a servant and submit myself and be humble and obedient because I've got a new nature on the inside of me now. I've got a new man on the inside of me now. And that's the best thing that I ever did do is when I put off the old man and I put on the new, that's, that's the best thing that I could have ever done in my entire life, not just spiritually, but but in a natural sense as well. So we've got to get rid of the old. Uh, We have to be renewed in God's spirit. Uh, We have to ask God to forgive us of our sins. We have to give our lives to him so that we can be renewed from where we were to where we want to be. Oh, this is a powerful lesson. And thank you, Pastor Cobra, for sharing. On today, that old nature is, it just has to it has to leave us, and it can through God's
0: Spirit. All right, uh, Jennifer, what is your question for the bishop on today,
3: Mister
1: Speaker? Are there any other? Uh, um,
0: yes, I just brought up there? Jennifer to to the platform. Jennifer, what is your question for the bishop on today?
3: I just want to say thank you so very much for talking about the obedience and humble and selfless and um, submitting yourself to the will of God. is extremely powerful. Um, There are a few questions I have for you. The first question is, um, it's basically the sanctification process of renewing God in renewing God's spirit. When you're going through the sanctification process, God tests you, or maybe it's not God testing you, but you're going through this process and it's like, it feels like you're being tested. And it's like, I don't want to go around the mountain over and over and over and over again. It's like, I want to go up the mountain instead of staying in the valley. Oh, I see. How do you you overcome that? How do you push yourself to the top of the mountain? Is it like when we go through the valley and go up the mountain, is he wanting us to go back down into the valley to do more training? Or is it... Is it? Because I'm thinking the valley is a, a training ground for us. Is it, well, Jennifer, I,
1: I well, no, no, that, that's a good question, Jennifer. Nothing wrong with that question at all. And thank you for listening to us on today. When I think of sanctification and when I think of that word being sanctified or somebody uh, sanctified, I think automatically of being uh, set apart. And the way I look at it is if I want to be set apart, there are certain things that I can and cannot do not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a, a bishop, uh, not because I'm involved with the national church or, or, or have a jurisdiction that I oversee. What's most important is that I am sanctified and I am allowing myself to be put apart or to be put aside so that I can be saved to do God's will and his work. And the sanctification process is not an easy process because, as we mentioned earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going against the nature, the innate nature of man, and that is not to do uh, the best thing, not to do the good thing. We we want uh, what we want. We, we're selfish, and in order for us to come to a selfless state, um, we have to make certain, Jennifer, that we are in the will of God. And so I know I'm in God's will by sitting myself apart. There are certain things that I'm just not going to do, certain places I'm not going to do to go. I'm going to be a witness. And in order for me to do that, I've got to sit myself apart from the things of uh, the things of the world or the things that would create a problem for me in serving God. So it's not necessarily coming off of the mountain and going down into the valley and going back on top of the mountain uh in 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 a sense but basically what you're doing uh Jennifer is you are from the very beginning once you give your life to God you're saying lord i want you to forgive me of my sins and then most importantly god i i want to personally set myself apart so that i can serve you not my flesh not what i want not what i think is most important But I want to serve you. And so when I sanctify myself, when I sit myself apart, I'm doing it uh, because I want to be used by God and God only.
0: Did that answer uh, your question, uh, Jennifer, because I also understand that you're talking about going through things. And sometimes God will allow us to go through until we get the message, get. The point, point. And that's where that whole concept of being submitted totally unto God and being obedient. I liken it to until I pass the test, I'm going to keep taking it over and over, just like in school. So when you're looking at it from, am I going up the mountain? The whole thing is like Bishop said, am I in the will of God? Because even if I'm in the will of God and things don't go according to I, uh, the way I plan it, it's going according to the way God has planned it. So I'm, he may want me to go up the mountain and go back down. He may want me to stay there and go back up and go back because sometimes he can be trying our faith to see if we will do whatever he wants us to do. What do you say to that, Bishop, for, for the clarification?
1: Well, for clarification's sake, then, yes, I, I see where where she's going with that. Uh, Let me also say that in every experience that you have, Jennifer, in everything that you go through, there is something that you learn out of it. No matter how terrible the experience might have been, we can learn something from everything we go through. And as Mr. Speaker mentioned, God has a way of testing us to see just how serious and just how sincere we are in serving him. He did it for the prophets of old. He does it each and every day for each and every one of us. So that's important for you to note that I'm going through this for a reason. I'm going through this for a purpose. Uh, It's a part of the process. It's a part of the 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 making me stronger. Uh, and and I have learned over a period of years that even as a pastor, there are certain things that I deal with. I don't understand why I'm going through them. But eventually I find out, okay, that was God helping me to get to another level or to another point in life. And so, Jennifer, that that's going to happen from time to time. You're going to have those issues. You're going to have situations where you're going to another level. But in order to get there, you have to go through something because it's just not going to be easy. I wish wish that it was an easy process, but it's not going to be easy. Every level deserves a different process. And so uh, that's just a part of what we have to go through in order to be the Christians that God wants us to be.
0: Did that help, Jennifer?
3: Yes, it did. Thank you so very much.
1: Thank you for listening, Jennifer. Oh,
0: you're welcome. And thank everyone. And we are doing this live recording here on Clubhouse. And so we're on Clubhouse. I'm going to ask that you please, if you if you're not following everyone in the room, please go ahead and follow um, the people that are in the room on the platform, the moderators, and know that we are here each Tuesday at one o'clock to do another live recording. And this time I'm going to open up the floor for another question. I do believe we had one from I want to pronounce your name right. It just says LaZella. Um, Do you have a question for the bishop today?
2: Yes. I have a question for
0: the,
2: excuse me. Yes. I have a question for the Bishop today. Um, and you could just call me Brother Zay. Um, Bishop, um, I heard you talking and things like that. I wanted to know, um, you know, who is salvation for? I have a, um, an understanding of scripture and I wanted to know, uh, who do you teach that salvation is for? Like who Christ died for?
1: Well, according, well, first of all, thank you, Brother Zay, for listening. I appreciate you for listening and participating Mm -hmm. on today. The Bible tells us in John 3:16 and even 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The 17th verse says, and God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So salvation is for all of us. Salvation is for everyone. And all we have to do is accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And he accepts us with all of our imperfections, with all of our flaws, as we try to strive to do better in our relationship with him. So anyone, according to the scripture, whosoever believeth on him should be saved. Um, and, And if you just Confess with your mouth and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved. So salvation is for all and salvation is free. Salvation is not where we have to do something in order to inherit it. But salvation is free. And so uh, I encourage everyone uh, to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can walk in salvation and walk in this way that is so, so unique in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And And I hope and pray that the people who are listening will watch uh, and and watch their walk with Jesus Christ and continue to develop that relationship with Jesus. Only you can develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ after you have accepted him as your personal Savior and you receive the gift of salvation.
0: Thank you so very much, Bishop. All right, Bishop, would you like to just say any closing uh, words today with regard to what would Jesus do from Philippians 2, 5 through 8? We talked about not being selfish, sacrifice, servant, submission, and humility and obedience. Is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: Well, brother, again, I thank everybody for joining us, and I do appreciate all of the questions and comments on today. Just in in conclusion, in order for us to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ, and in order for us to do that, We have to be willing to walk humbly uh, with God and to walk in obedience and being a servant. And so we've got to be willing to to die a spiritual death in many ways so that God can give us new life. And that's what this lesson is all about on today. What would Jesus do? And that's I hope and pray that it has been effective for each one of us uh, on the call today. And I really do appreciate you joining me on Clubhouse uh, with this podcast today.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks again, Bishop. You've been listening to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph, keeping you focused in the right direction. Please visit the website, robertgrudolph.org, robertgrudolph.org, to listen to previous episodes of the podcast and to also be informed of what the bishop is doing. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this episode of On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph, On Point, keeping you focused in the right Direction